Live Creative Now, episode 109. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work. Because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am a Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way. Go and pick yourself up a copy at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world. I was living my own full-color creative life (laughs) this past weekend in the midst of kitchen renovation chaos. (laughs) Yes. Last weekend was my open studio, which is two days in which I turn the entire downstairs of our home. We have a two bedroom townhouse and the entire downstairs, I turn it into an art gallery and open it up to the public as part of Silicon Valley Open Studios. Silicon Valley Open Studios is a three-weekend-long, multi-city, multi-county art tour that has been going on in my part of of the world, Silicon Valley, for 31 years. This, This was the 31st year. It's always the first three weekends in May. There's another weekend of Silicon Valley Open Studios this coming weekend. I'm not participating. My studio is not open this coming weekend, but there's another weekend of Silicon Valley Open Studios. So there's hundreds of artists participating all throughout Silicon Valley. I don't even know how many cities. It's like 15 or 20 cities or something. Now, had I known that I was going to be in the middle of a kitchen renovation back when I signed up to participate, I never would have done it. I never (laughs) would have registered to participate this year. But the registration deadline was way back in December. It was December 31st. And last year, last May, when I participated which was the first time I had done it in, I I think, 10 years or something, I did pretty well. I sold a big painting, a 20 20 by 20 inch painting, and I sold a couple of small paintings, plus a bunch of cards and, I don't know, a print or two. And this year I had a book and I thought I'd sell maybe a few copies of the book. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I did last year, I bought, you know, paper plates and napkins and cups and I don't know, a lot of this work that I did last year was, I wasn't going to have to redo to make it happen again this year. So I figured, ah, what the heck, I'll do it again. 
And, you know, there's something really nice about meeting people in the flesh and getting feedback in the flesh for my work and getting a chance to put it up where it can actually be (laughs) seen instead of in boxes and on shelves. So I thought, yeah, what the heck, I'll do it. Well, then, of course, kitchen remodel. But once I had registered, by the time I realized that I was, it was going to be a living hell to try and pull it all off, and we were going to be in the middle of utter chaos in our downstairs, it was too late to pull out because I think it's like 50,000 directories are printed. Every artist gets a little blurb in the directory with one of your images printed and your address is on there and your your spot is on a map in the directory and you're also on the website and everything. And I couldn't, I mean, I could have pulled out and people might've shown up and I could have just opened the door and said, or put a sign on the door saying, sorry, not participating, go away or something. But I felt like, yeah, I might as well just go through with it. So I did. And it was really hard. (laughs) And I sold some things. I sold a few books and I sold some cards and I sold a print and I sold a small painting. Plus someone who attends my Create and Incubate retreat, one of my wonderful retreatants who doesn't live in the area, saw a picture that I shared on Facebook of a couple of the teeny, teeny, tiny little ultra mini two inch canvases that I was working on at the open studio that I shared on Facebook. And she bought six of them that were on display at the show. So I put little sold stickers on those. And she bought a signed copy of the book that and I'll be shipping all of those up to her. So I'm counting those towards the total too. So I did sell some things. It's just me at this open studio, a lot of artists joined together. And of course, when there's multiple artists at one location, they draw a lot more foot traffic, or any kind of traffic, a lot, a lot of people look at the maps, and they think, "Ooh, I can hit six artists or 20 artists in one, you know, one stop. So it, it's much more effective when you join with multiple artists together than one little person like me in one space. So I don't, I don't draw as much traffic. So maybe, maybe 40 people came through. And most of them came from seeing the signs. Part of what you get for your registration is you get you get listed in the directory and on the website and you get 10 big 18 by 24 inch, big bright yellow signs with big black lettering that you can post around the neighborhood. And I always get them laminated, which is not cheap, but that way I can use them again. <laughs> We've lost two. <laughs> every year each year or so far so we have 18 signs we should have 20 but we have 18 left because they disappear anyway we we met neighbors that I otherwise might never have met so that was kind of nice and it was neat to see my art all up in one place that's always nice and another bonus it got us to clean up the chaos from the kitchen renovation pretty darn quickly so 
those were some pros of doing open studio. And I also came to a lot of real realizations, not all of which were pretty. And I want to share them with you. And I've divided it this into three chapters. So chapter one, the sad reality is that after expenses, my nice little sales that I made, after expenses, I think I made about $35 for so much work, hours and hours and hours of work. I made about $35. Yeah. Now, I can lay partial blame for this on the kitchen renovation, which totally ate my brain (laughs) and completely sucked the life out of any promotional efforts beyond the posts that I have been sharing to Facebook. And I've been doing a fairly good job of sharing on Facebook about the open studios, but that is not enough for this kind of thing. I never emailed my local friends and family. And that is your prime customer base is people who know you. I never dug up last year's attendees to email. And although I printed postcards, I never sent postcards out to my local audience. Major fail, major fail. But beyond that, there is also a massive disconnect in my, I don't know what to call it, my overall approach, which I have been processing for the past few days. And ultimately, though this might sound kind of harsh, it it kind of comes down to this. This is the question, this existential question <laughs> that I have been wrestling with And it is this, do I even want to sell my art or not? Hmm, that is the question. Now, I mean, of course, I I do. I would love to sell my art. makes me very happy when somebody wants to buy my art. But how much energy am I really willing to devote to it? Now, I, I know... I'm very clear that I do not want that to be my main gig. I do not want selling my art to be my main gig. I got very clear about that a few years ago when my friend Corey Huff of The Abundant Artist asked me a really great question. And the question was this, and this is a question that I encourage you to ask yourself. And it's this, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for being a great artist? This was the question he asked me. Or do you want to be known for being the person who changes people's lives by getting them creating? And surprisingly to me, the answer to that question was a no-brainer. The latter, that is so easy, like almost, I almost couldn't care less given the, given the choice between those two, I almost couldn't care less if people 
thought of me as Melissa, that great artist, or Melissa, that person who changed my life by because she got me creating. I almost couldn't care less if people thought of me as a, as a great artist. Now, that was kind of astonishing to me, given that I spent so many years desperately wishing that I could be a genius artist. Wishing desperately! So it was kind of astonishing that it was my answer to that question was so instant, so obvious, such a no brainer. So crystal clear. No, I want to change people's lives. On my deathbed, I want to be able to say, I changed people's lives because I got them creating. Hmm. I almost couldn't care if I am known as a great artist or not. Wow. God, it's good to have that kind of clarity. Now my ego, got to be honest here, my ego (laughs) would really like to be a great artist. My poor sad ego. (laughs) But there's a one of the benefits of getting older is that I'm I'm better able to become more detached from my ego. I'm better able to be okay with the fact that I'm probably never going to be the great artist that my younger self wished that I could be. I'm more okay with okay with that. In any case, the fact that I want would would rather be known as being the person who changes people's lives by getting them creating rather than being a great artist, that is not to say that selling my art can't be a side gig. Of course it can. Of course it can. But I understand all too well that selling does not happen on its own. (laughs) In spite of that movie, Field of Dreams, that led a lot of people to believe if you build it, they will come. It doesn't work that way. Just because you build it does not mean that they will come. I have made hundreds of pieces of art. <laughs> Just making hundreds of pieces of art does not mean that people will come knocking on your door and buy buy that art. Selling takes takes work. Whether you are making art or apps or computer software or hamburgers or whatever it is that you are making, if you want to sell it, you are going to have to put effort into making people aware of what you are trying to sell. That's marketing. And then selling it. That's work. And I personally am honestly not really interested in working on selling my art right now. That's where I am. May may not be where you are. That's where I am right now. Now, if I had a series of new artworks, a whole body of work, new body of work that I wanted to show, that would be a different thing. Putting energy into creating a show in order to share that series, that body of work, that would make sense to me. That would be a project that I could really get behind. That would be exciting for me. That would be like writing a book, that like 
creating a a play or a one woman show or something that would be different but to bust my butt to put up mostly old art to hustle and ostensibly try and sell it but not even expecting that I will sell it because that is the god's honest truth I didn't actually expect to sell anything at open studios this year I went into open studios not expecting to sell anything and what is the point? (laughs) There is none in this case, which has brought me to the question, what do I want to be creating? Why am I creating this stuff that is ostensibly for sale, but rarely actually sells because I'm not putting energy into marketing and selling it? So ultimately, why am I creating? Now, I don't, and I'm literally asking that question. I'm not asking the question in the sense of, Melissa, you should just stop creating. No, 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 not not at all. I am literally asking the question, what does it give me? What do I want to create if I take commerce out of it? Not just partially, but completely out of the picture. And it is literally purely for me. Now I talk about that all the time. I talk about creating for the love of it, for the joy of it all the time. But this past weekend made me realize that the boundary line has not been very clear in my mind. Yes, I create for me all the time. I do. But there has always been this little, I don't know, caveat or something that maybe I could sell it or should sell it, that maybe it should be possible to sell it, that maybe somehow it's sort of a waste or I'm not sure what the right word is. For me to be creating art, for example, in a sketchbook, when I could be creating that same art on a piece of canvas or a board that could be for sale. So the question is, why don't I just create what I feel like creating purely because I feel like creating like creating it? And what is that? What is that thing? Is it possible to separate it completely from commerce? Is that even possible? And what is that thing? Maybe it's not two inch by two inch canvases. If I completely remove commerce from the picture, maybe it's not six inch by six inch canvas boards. Maybe, maybe it's painting on a big sheet of canvas stretched on the back wall of my studio after the contents of my kitchen, which are currently occupying boxes on the floor of my studio against that back wall. Maybe after all the contents of my kitchen are moved back into the kitchen when the kitchen is done. Or maybe it's painting on the back wall of my studio 
Or maybe it's painting on paper tacked onto the back wall of that studio. I don't know. Maybe it's working on a 20 inch by 20 inch board that will ultimately go in my living room underneath or above the other 20 inch by 20 inch painting to that's currently hanging in my living room to replace the one that sold last year and maybe taking my time with that just playing and having fun or maybe that current 20 inch by 20 inch painting will get painted over maybe i'll make two 20 by 20 paintings because they fit actually fit really nicely in that spot in my living room maybe that'd be really fun for me to just make a diptych to go in that spot in my living room and just play with it and have fun with it. Maybe it's making more altered book pages. Maybe it's getting back to my sewing machine and just playing around with fabric scraps. Maybe it is more two, two by two inch canvases and joining them together to make an enormous mosaic of, I don't know, sewn together two by two inch canvases. I don't know. It's kind of fun to imagine what it could be if I remove commerce completely from the picture. And I don't even know if that's completely possible, but that's what I want to play around with. So let's put a pin in that. Let's call that chapter one. Chapter two. Meanwhile, at exactly the same time as all of this, bringing commerce back into the picture, I have been working on this rare, for me, art commission. Now, I used to do art commissions all the time. That used to be how I made my living. Primarily doing art on commission. And accepting this art commission (laughs) has reminded me why I no longer take art direction and why I basically don't take commissions anymore at all. Here's what happened. So I don't, I normally don't do commissions anymore, but the director of a Jewish charitable organization, which made a very big difference in my life personally, several years ago, when I was in dire need, this director of this organization called me several weeks ago to see if I might have some Judaic art that she might purchase to use to give as awards to honor three award recipients at an upcoming gala. And if not, if I might create some art on commission for this purpose, for the award ceremony. Now, I don't have any Judaic art in my inventory. Although I used to make a lot of Judaic art, I don't have any in my inventory anymore. So the only option would, was to create some. I was, I was, I was reluctant to do that because I'm not really, I'm not interested in being art directed. And this woman, this, the director of this organization personally changed my life through the work that she did with me, with this organization. And I am so profoundly grateful to her and to the organization. And I told her when she called me that I don't normally do commissions anymore. But if she was okay with the fact that I don't accept art direction, I would be happy to create artwork for the honorees. And so because, because I was so grateful to her and the organization. 
And so we discussed the parameters, we discussed the price, and we came to an agreement. And the plan was that I would create several different pieces in my style. She liked, I showed her my work on my website. She liked it. I said, I can create some pieces. They would be Jewish in theme, but they would be similar. Oops, I just bumped the microphone. Similar in this to this style. They would be six by six by six inch, six by six inches. I would create several of them, then she would choose three from the selection that I would create. And that way I wouldn't have to be art directed, but she would have some sense of control. And she was fine with that. Great. Well, then weeks passed. Life threw a bunch of monkey wrenches at me, as of course it has its way of doing. And suddenly the gala was a few weeks away. And I had to get started on the art. Oh my God. And now Open Studios was a week away or something. So uh, this is always how it happens, right? Down to the wire. But, you know, I work in this very, the style that that we were going with is very fast and loose. So it shouldn't be too hard, right? Wrong. This is where I was reminded of why I don't do commissions anymore because it is very different to create something purely from the place of, gee, I think I'd like to make some art today. What would happen if I make some squiggles here? Very different to create something from that place than to create something specifically to please a client. In this case, I had to make Judaic shapes. Now, I am used to making squiggles. (laughs) I am used to not making anything particular at all, but to just going, just going, doodling. And so this was very different. And although I am perfectly capable of making particular shapes, I did that quite capably for 15 years. Thank you very much. The whimsy and the fluidity that characterizes my work and the style that she had commissioned me to work in is very hard to capture and maintain when I have to make a particular shape instead of just making random squiggles. It was hugely frustrating. So I ended up making several squiggly pieces which my gremlins were just going nuts and telling me were total crap. Oh my God. And then I made a few more pieces that ended up becoming very detailed and taking up way more time to produce than I had planned because they were very different in style from, <laughs> from the, the whimsical fluid style that we, I was originally going for. And that made me very cranky. Because the whole idea of this thing was that the pieces would be quick and easy for me to crank out. Ha ha ha. Best laid plans of mice and men and all that. (sighs) Anyway, I snapped several pictures uh, pictures of the the pieces that I created to send my client to try and get some feedback to see if she liked any of them. And thankfully, she shared them with her staff who loved them. Take that, gremlins. But then she shared them with the board of directors. And apparently the board of directors had some issues. Well, she finally spoke with me last night. And apparently she'd had a a stomach ache all day thinking about how to talk to me about this. 
So here's the deal. The board was wondering if I might incorporate the feeling of the logo of the organization into the artwork. So she asked me, could I possibly create some new pieces that would incorporate, you know, not, not graphic design, of course. She wasn't asking me to do graphic design, of course, but just embody the flavor of the symbolism that the logo represents and Now, of course, you realize, dear listener, that what she was asking for is precisely a request for graphic design. And this is precisely what I used to do for my clients when I was art directed (laughs) as a pen and brush for hire. And this is also a request for precisely what I explicitly said I do not do anymore, which is to take art direction. And I could feel my chest getting tight. And I was, I was mulling over what to do, how to respond to this. While I ran upstairs to get on the computer to look at their website, because I didn't even know what their logo looked like. And meanwhile, my inner strong self was screaming, no, no, you do not take our direction. You do not even have time. You don't have time. Even if you did take our direction, the gala is on Sunday. Now, my nice girl self, my old nice girl self would have just acquiesced, let myself get walked over just like a rug, and felt resentful as hell. So what would it be? Would I be the nice girl and end up being resentful? Or would I hold firm and risk being thought of as a bitch? Mm -mm -mm. I took a very long pause. And I said, okay, there are a couple things going on here. First of all, time. I really don't have time to create a whole new set of pieces. And second of all, and listener, (laughs) really, of course, this, this is the first thing. Really, this should have, I should have said this first, but hey, good for me for saying it at all. I said, Second of all, I don't normally do commissions at all, as I told you when we first spoke about this originally. And I only agreed to do this because this organization made such a huge difference in my life. And because you asked me directly, I honestly, I probably wouldn't have agreed to do it at all if anybody else had asked me, but you were so special to me. You changed my life. And as I said, when we spoke, I, you might remember, I, I really don't take art direction on commissions. And I paused. And she said, yes, I do remember. Oh my God, she remembered. She didn't push me. She did not argue with me. She just accepted it. 
She just accepted it. She told me the three pieces that they would go with, and that was it. Worked out the rest of the details. She thanked me, and I could tell she was feeling frustrated because she was stuck between me and the board, but that was it. We said goodbye, and lightning did not strike. I set a limit, and lightning did not strike. I share this with you, so hopefully I may serve as a model for you if you also have problems setting limits, because you can do this. All right, so that is chapter two. Let's put a pin in that. Meanwhile, chapter three, as I looked at my artwork this past weekend, as it was on display throughout the pop-up gallery that was my open studio, it was very clear to me which of my paintings felt like they are part of a larger, cohesive body of work, and which felt like they're kind of flailing, like they don't really fit. It was really clear, and I got very clear at this open studio that I'm really tired of having a scattered collection of random work. I have some pieces that are a very clear series, different series, I have multiple series, and some that are random. And I really like some of my paintings and and some not so much, but it's not even so much about which paintings I like and which I don't like. It's more about which ones feel like they belong to a family. And the ones that don't, it's not that they're bad. It's that they don't represent who I am as an artist or who I am anymore. And they don't fit. They don't fit in with a family. They don't belong. So whether or not I end up participating in Silicon Valley Open Studios next year, and I don't have to decide until December 31st, 2017. But right now I'm thinking no. (laughs) Separation between art and commerce. Anyway, whether or not I participate, those pieces that do not fit, right now they're going in a box. And they are either A, going away, as in being given away in the next hauling session, or B, they are going to be reused as under canvases for new paintings. So I'm not going to have to buy new canvases for a really long time. But then again, I may not even be painting on canvases for a while because I'm still figuring out what I want to create. If I'm detaching from, if I'm detaching creating from commerce or the need for commerce, at least for now, not forever, necessarily just for now, then canvas and board may or may not be in my immediate future. I don't know. Unless it's for a specific location in my home or for a gift for a particular person in my life, I may may not be painting on canvas and board. We shall see. So all of this is what I'm processing right now. Art plus commerce, chapter one. Art plus commerce plus boundaries, chapter two. 
And for lack of a better term, authentic voice plus working in a series. And for more on that, by the way, you might want to check out a conversation that Corey Huff and I had with an artist named Lisa Call on the podcast that Corey and I used to co-host called Creative Insurgents. And there's a link in the show notes to that podcast episode, which is all about working in series and why you should. And honestly, I used to be pretty resistant to that idea. And now I embrace it wholeheartedly. So check out the show notes at livecreativenow.com slash 109, because this is episode 109, to for the link to that podcast episode with Corey and me and our and Lisa call. All right, these are the questions that I'm processing. I do not have all the answers. But perhaps my addressing the questions here will help you come up with your own answers or your own questions to process yourself. Ha, <sighs> that's what I'm thinking about today. Meanwhile, something cool. It's time for something cool. This week, something cool is artwork tracker app. Now I know not everyone who listens is a visual artist, but if you are, and if you want to keep track of your artwork, especially if you are an iPhone or an iPad user and or a Mac user, this app is the bomb. Yes, there's a Mac version too. And the guy who created this app, by the way, he also makes a story tracker app for writers who want to track their story submissions. And that app also has an iOS version, a Mac version, and a PC version. I found out about Artwork Tracker app, by the way, from my Creative Sandbox community for women. You guys, you women, you rock. (laughs) There's so many resources that get shared in the Creative Sandbox community. I learn about so many awesome things in that group. I love my Creative Sandbox community. So freaking awesome. We had a rally call today. That's my favorite part of my job, where we get together live and hang out. And I'm just I love my Creative Sandbox community. By the way, price is going up. It's $39 a month right now. If you want to get in and join us and lock in that price, now is the time. When I (laughs) come up for air after the kitchen remodel, it is going to go up to $49 a month. So join now, creativesandboxcommunity.com, just for women Whatever kind of creating you love to do, whatever expertise level you are, total beginner, you wish you were creating, but you're not all the way up through professional level, this group is for you. There are scientists in there, there are professional creatives and everything in between. Um, So yeah, little plug for Creative Sandbox community. Join now before the price goes up and you'll be locked in for life. Anyway, back to Artwork Tracker app. It's sort of ironic that I'm sharing it today because now that my relationship with art and commerce is in flux, but it's still a really cool app. Now, there are a number of tools that you can use to help you keep track of your artworks. You can use Evernote, you can use on, you know, there's all kinds of online databases to keep track of your artworks. 
But what I love about Artwork Tracker is that it lets me use my phone to snap a picture of a piece. I don't have to dig out, <laughs> dig up a, a, a photo on my hard drive. I can just snap a picture right on my phone, type in the title right in my phone, type in the dimensions right in my phone, type in the price right in my phone, the date it was created, any notes that I want, even how much time I spent on it if I want to, and the materials cost if I want to or not, all right on my phone or iPad. And if you like to use your computer, there's a Mac version as well. The Mac version is like $29.99. The iPhone version is $7.99. It's just a one-time payment. It's pretty darn cool. There's no monthly fee or anything. You can also keep track of clients and submissions to galleries and competitions, which is pretty cool. So if you submit your art to galleries and competitions, you can keep track of your submissions, whether it gets accepted and the dates and all of that kind of stuff as well. Plus, you can back up your data to Dropbox or Google Drive or your hard drive or wherever you want. And then you can export and import your data as well by typing it, it gives you a URL that you type into a browser. And then once you go to that URL, there are different links that you can click to download different file formats, Uh, CSV, which you can open up in Excel, or the artwork tracker native format. I do not have the Mac version, I just have the uh, the iPhone version. It's not a super robust program. But for this single fee of less than $8 and mobile functionality, it had all that I I needed for my needs. So perfect for me. Anyway, that is today's something cool artwork tracker app. Enjoy. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, as always, tell your friends about it. I would love that. And hop on over to iTunes, leave a rating and review. If you need step-by-step instructions on how to do that, just go to livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes hyphen review. You would totally make my day by leaving me a new review. But even more importantly, you would be helping out other people who are looking for cool podcasts to listen to. Somebody else out there is looking for a podcast to help them live a full color creative life. And your review would help them find the show. And yeah, that's basically it. So that is it. If you have a question for the show, you can leave your question at livecreativenow.com slash questions. That's livecreativenow.com slash questions. That's it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.